It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 30. We've made it to the big 3 0. I'm your host, Nikki. Kuehler is here. Find us on Spotify, iTunes. It is April 21st, 2020. We are still in quarantine. And I really want to jump into these uh, first couple topics. Kuehler, let's start with the racist TikTok kids because that's what we were talking about. Uh, we're going to get to the gaming stuff in a minute, but I want to talk about the racist TikTok kids first. Uh, unfortunately, we can't play the TikTok because it is abhorrent. And I think we've had problems with Spotify and iTunes not liking certain things in like the title and RSS feed description. So I just can't even mention any of this, uh, and I'm not going to play it over the airwaves. But basically, we have a, about a one-minute TikTok here. It's 50 seconds long. Uh, credit to Stephanie Freeman and Jeffrey Hume, uh, if that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, they're seniors at a high school. And they made this TikTok. Keeler, did you listen to it with audio? Because uh, we were just talking about it right before the I show happened. I heard it before with audio. Okay. So what were they trying to do in this TikTok? They were trying to make black people using Yeah, although they didn't say black people, of course. They said the, the Twitch word. They said biggers. And, yeah, and so they had a piece of paper with the word on like the on the sink. And what they were going to do was they were going to, I guess, like... Powerpuff Girls intro, like put various <laughs> yeah, yeah. cups of water that make up black people, and they included extremely racist stereotypes, ending with prison. In which case, they basically opened the faucet. I I want to so the paper dissolve into the sink. I'm gonna read the cups here. Uh, what does that first one say? It says black. I think the first cup says black. The second cup says don't have a dad. Uh, the yeah. next cup says, eat watermelon and fried chicken. Oh my god, I forgot. I've seen this video before and I'm still shocked. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then the next one says, make good decisions. That cup of water is empty. There's nothing in that one. The next cup says, rob people. And the last cup here, where they turn on the sink, says, go to jail. And they turn the sink on for that one. Uh, these kids, I found on my Twitter feed, everyone was piling on them a couple days ago, uh, telling them they're actually despicable and terrible people. And I just found the apology right now. Uh, the, the one that's linked, it looks like an Instagram story. Is that the one you wanted me to read, Keeler? Yeah, that's the only one that exists as far as okay. I know. I'm going to read this from Steph Freeman on Instagram. I think this is Instagram. I want to apologize for the abhorrent video I posted. I know in my heart how wrong it was. My boyfriend is racist and he slowly normalized his racism on me. Still, I should have never let him. I believe blacks are human too. Made in the image of Christ. Whoa, okay, I didn't see that coming. I have disappointed God and I want to apologize. Please don't contact my college. It's my future and one mistake should not ruin a life. Also, please stop with the death threats. Again, I apologize. Sincerely, Steph. Well, um... Is there is there anything else that I think I saw something about how they doubled down? Oh, I I actually just found it. They found a comment. There was a little more. Yeah. Uh, I found a comment that someone screenshotted. Of course, this is on the internet um, from the same account that issued that apology, I believe. No, I am not sorry. What do y'all want me to say? What the hell? From uh, Steph Freeman's. I'm going to double check that real quick. Is that the same? It might have been earlier, too. I feel like. That actually looks like a different. Oh, stealth shampoo journalism here. That looks a little different because that is Steph Freeman's. 
Steph underscore Freemans. Um, that's where that comment was left. The apology was left on Steph underscore Freeman with two N's and no S. Unless our account got banned, which I wouldn't have been surprised for. Anyway, let's just talk about the initial video because I am not going to go and investigate whether or not that uh, that they apologized or felt bad about them. We're just going to talk about the initial content uh, in that video. Like I was saying before the show started, that is borderline like a Call of Duty lobby level of racism. The only reason it's not worse than a Call of Duty lobby was because it's not simultaneously racist against Mexicans, Asians, white people, Australians, and Antarcticans. Uh, but as far as like just targeting one... Like, they got, they basically hit all the stereotypes. Uh, and so they came under massive fire on Twitter, so much so that I saw every streamer talking about it. Keeler saw it independently. And so here's, here's where I kind of lay on the subject. At what point do you say they were young, they said something stupid, it was a long time ago, they can be forgiven? And at what point do you say they were old enough to have figured this out? So... I think they perfectly tow this the borderline of if someone said this when they were 14, right? I, I could kind of be like, hey, an adult in, adult in their life, a counselor, a teacher, needs to step down and tell them, you can't be putting this kind of stuff on the internet. This is ter These are terrible, terrible things to say. All the obvious things that um, a, a person with good guidance in their life can figure out because clearly they, they don't have that kind of stuff going on in their life right now where they have a figure who will tell them, this is a bad call. Um, at, so at, at 14, I think they're on that side of the line where you can say, hey, if you're like a 13 or 14-year-old and you're you know, posting the N-word on Twitter and telling people to go eat watermelon, I think, I think that's still young enough. Uh, at, at 17, 18, these are, these are high schoolers in college, I think now we're at the line where it's... Cancel culture is very toxic. I, I want to get that out of the way also. I'm not a big fan of it, but at what point do we say, hey, they were too young or they were just high school students um, or it has been long enough? You know, what if they said this at like 24 and now they're 30? And I think a lot of people can change in six years. And that's, you know, cancel culture, holding people accountable for things that have happened multiple years ago, uh, I think is very much not good for society. And we should reward people for progressing and despite having bad views at one point, if they have now changed into a, a better person, then I think that is better than issuing a, a Twitter apology and saying, I will change. And you know, actually changing is, is the more important part. When you're 18 and it happened a week ago, now I'm trying to figure out what side of the line they're on. Do you have an opinion there, Keeler? I mean, there's multiple scales of this too. I... I think it's rare to have gone through teenage years without having some sort of edgy phase, depending on your circle, of course. Some people probably might have definitely avoided that. But there's a difference between like taking that, filming it, and then posting it online and expecting not this response. Maybe it was bigger than what they expected, but I don't know if they expected anyone to have seen this and not thought of them as despicable or to have thought it as funny. Like... Even by 18, even if I were edgy or something, even in like 14, I kind of knew maybe this isn't something that I should share to the entire world. Someone will probably not like this and it will probably affect me in very negative ways. Especially like the reason in her apology was saying stop going after my like university is because people are basically trying to get the university to, to rescind her 
um i guess she was accepted maybe her college they're trying yeah. to get yeah i think they're trying to to rescind that acceptance so and, i mean in, in that regard uh, like you can still turn your life around from that it's not like your life's over just because of that eventually it'll go away but it's certainly like a level of confidence where you have to be able to say, I'm going to go and like reveal this to the entire world. I mean, celebrities have sometimes ruined themselves for doing this and they're adults. And we kind of often note that, like, why would you do that? Or oftentimes what really gets them is that like someone's secretly filming or whatever, but to like intentionally put this out there is kind of crazy. And I mean, you know, you could turn your life around. I mean, I don't think anything bad will happen. Like not getting into your, university that you got accepted to is not exactly the end of the world so oh, I you could actually turn around but i i'm questionable about that after the i believe blacks are people too that was not very good feels, wording it feel, yeah it feels a little bit like you're just learning this now this is like a new thing like this is an 18 year old she didn't go to a pr firm to write this out clearly she typed this up in tears or after getting a hundred death threats, a bunch of people emailing their colleges, maybe even people doxing her. The death threats are something that basically anybody who gets viral will experience. So I, I can sympathize with that for sure. Yeah, that's a but that's definitely the fact that been, the like, my boyfriend is racist and like kind of rubbed that off on me. And as far as I can tell, she's still with him. Yeah. If if it she was like asked. his idea, which it probably might have been, uh like that's also something where you're saying, well, that wasn't so bad. Whereas, you know, like we were both like, if someone said that, that I knew that would kind of change a lot. If oh. someone like I, I knew was like yeah. watermelon and, ch and fried chicken. I'd be like, Oh my God, man. We should mention because it's an audio based format that these kids were white. As far as I can tell, both of them, uh, the boyfriend and the girlfriend, I think. So one thing that's, if I think back to when I was 18, right, that was, uh, quick math seven years ago when i was yeah. 18 i still had i had a samsung excel it was a phone that like would come out and there'd be a number pad and you'd flip it the other way and there'd be a keyboard i didn't have a smartphone at the time tiktok was not a thing i don't even think vine was a thing when we were in high school was it no no Twitter not, was not quite yet thing. so it was well it was a thing but like you know vine was not a thing yet the generation after us is much more shareable tiktok is just blowing up right now uh Vine, of course, is already come and gone. Twitter is being heavily used by high schoolers. Now, I didn't use Twitter until I was well That's within actually college. funny. I remember back in 2008, I believe, there was like a poll of saying like, it looks, who's online? Like, And I think when Twitter was mentioned, people, the audience laughed. It was like an audience of teenagers, and they mostly laughed because the idea was no one uses Twitter. And now we've got like presidential meltdowns happening on Twitter. So things oh, yeah. have definitely changed there. So with these kids, I, I feel like they, they put themselves in a really tough spot having access to the internet and thousands, if not millions of people to see how well ignorant and racist they are. Yeah. that That's a problem that I didn't have when I was 18. Like it had, I been a terrible person at 18, which probably a, in some ways a bad person, but I wasn't abhorrently Call of Duty lobby level racist. Um, they have so much more power for, for it to well, call it, cancel their college applications or cancel their college acceptances because they can just throw it up on the internet now. You know, I've actually, I was actually discussing this with kind of uh, someone online recently too, that like, 
we were a generation that was online. Not everyone was, but at least both of us were. We were part of yeah. that like group that were online as teenagers, even though not everybody was. But the internet back when I was growing up was very anonymous and not very like forever. Like a bunch of sites that I was in, old forums and shit have all died. Um, it was common for everyone to use like a username. You weren't exactly like tying yourself to your real name. You didn't have any like social media links, right? So if you had like an account on another site, you'd have to like tell someone what it is. Um, you normally didn't like want link that by default, like we do all the time, especially not like at the API level. Um, so when we grew up with all this, like we could say a ton of things that will just kind of never be tied back to us. Either the content has been disappeared from the internet, which can happen despite some people saying no, it can be archived, but it can also be very hard to find. Or it's just been on like an old account that we just don't own anymore. We haven't logged into forever. It's on an old email. It's on an old like aim chat that's gone now or anything of the sort. Whereas now they're growing up with this, kind of world where everything is much more social and now they're all posting things under their name with their face with their friends posting videos especially that's the thing video is not easy for us to access in our youth youtube was brand new when i was oh, yeah. uh, in the end when i was going into middle school which that's that's my age uh youtube was still very very brand new like literally just launched and they were working they were working at the time uh, right above the, I think it was like the Amici's Pizza in downtown San Mateo. Oh, I didn't know that. That one that you get a discount from the from the arcade. That's where they were working. They were working like on the on the floor right above it. That's where YouTube used to be. Now they got gigantic complexes around the world. But I did not. That's know. where they were beforehand. Um, just putting some content to make video with the hundred megabyte limit. That was super hard to get to. So things have really change there and that what's really interesting is that like the people who have grown up like this are just hitting adulthood right now like if they were 18 they were born in 2000 so this is like a very recent thing and so i'm really interested and somewhat fearful to see what's going to happen when they hit 30 or 40 and now almost their whole life has been kind of posted online and is being kept around Oh, it's it's a very different story. I was online, yeah. but it's very hard to trace that to me. In fact, it was very rare to have anything to trace to me because for most of my like early years, there was no social media at all. You didn't really have a thing to trace to. The, the, the first thing that came out was MySpace, and now all of MySpace has been purged, basically. So That's actually... It's difficult. So as a future parent, maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten anyone pregnant, by the way. That wasn't me just dropping a I'm about to have a kid announcement. As a future parent, potentially... Uh, I don't want to be putting out pictures of, of my kids. And I feel like, you know, they're, they're, it'd be weird for them to grow up 13 and there's pictures on Facebook or whatever, you know, comes after Facebook of them That's at, you know, discussion. zero, one, two, three. But here, here's the other thing. So as I've grown up, um, there are obviously pictures of me out there and they, grandparents don't have the kind of, and then parents, uh, in general, people, forties, sixties, eighties, whatever, um, they don't have the whole be careful about not getting doxxed and swatted on the internet uh, kind of mentality that I have as as being a Twitch streamer. Uh, for example, there are probably I, there are probably pictures out there of my grandparents. Hopefully, they have it in a scrapbook and haven't posted it on the internet anywhere. Taking pictures of me playing out on their driveway with the address, like you know, you know, on the sides of houses, they just straight right. up have like the four to six digit address sitting right there. 
And they don't know to not crop that stuff out because they don't know about swatting and doxing and all that. I and mean, you find where my grandparents live. God forbid you kidnap them, hold them hostage, and ask well, for. That's sort of what I mean. That, you it's know. all it it exists, but it's not being shared publicly because our youths were shareable, but people just didn't really do it. It was very difficult to do so. Yeah, yeah. And so those are out in a scrapbook somewhere, are not accessible by you know being hacked unless you fly a drone in there and. Yeah. I don't know, like literally steal the scrapbook, um, which if you stole you the scrapbook, is. you would probably yeah, know where my grandparents were, right? so that'd be pointless. That'd be dumb. Um, but the, so being a parent, you know, growing up in the where my kids will have access to the Internet on literally the day of their birth, like the Internet will exist unless Corona like starts The Last of Us Part 2 IRL DLC. My kids will just be in the world of the Internet. And luckily, as a very internet-savvy parent, um, I'll be able to tell them, like, hey, don't be posting TikToks. I could be their PR manager. You know, I can very much say, like, yo, all right, you want to go viral on TikTok? Like, you got to be doing, like, these dumb dances. All right? You can do... We, we, we're going to fake the cinnamon challenge, all right? I'm going to get you some, like, I don't know, some uh, brown salt or something. That might even be... <laughs> that might even be worse. We have high sodium in my family. I, my kids will be fine on the internet. Um, luckily... Because they've had a, a parent who spent five years on Twitch and whose job right now is actually to manage, well, lives Twitter. The Twitter of a not large company. We're not like McDonald's or anything, but I do have to not say anything incredibly stupid. Uh, and so they'll be, they'll be lucky. But I feel like a lot, of, uh, a lot of kids coming into the world from my graduating class might not be. Um, and it might be a little weird growing up to have your photos from zero to 13 on there before you can tell your parents like, Hey, maybe don't like post the photos of me at my first baseball practice, uh, getting struck out. I don't know if no, there's no, there's no way people are going to be playing baseball next generation, dude. Baseball is boring as fuck to watch. I'm going to take that hard stance. Killer, do you want to let's. All right. We have to at some point talk about games because this is the early access podcast. But there's too there's too much uh, people of the internet talk this week. Can you play the clip? We're gonna play a clip. You got this. May sound familiar if you if you're an avid listener of the early access podcast. This may sound familiar. Um, that we covered like two or three weeks ago of people on Twitch. Um, I get not Usual harassing people on Twitch segment. It's not the har harassing is not the word I'm looking for. It's um not even panhandling. They're um, not even Requesting. begging. They're no, they're, insulting. Not even begging, right? they're... They're, they're insulting their viewers for money. I'm going to have to think of the word. Anyway, uh, cue up the clip, Kiro. Let's go. That should be playing. It is not playing. Uh, that is not playing. Give me a second. I will fill. So basically, we have another Twitch streamer. Um, she was in the just chatting category, and she once again, um, as we've covered before on the show, is yelling at her subscribers for not paying money. Twitch, for those of you who don't know, Live Under a Rock, is a free website. You sign up for an account for free. You can watch any stream for free with the exception of subscriber-exclusive streams, which I don't think anyone does. I'm but. not sure. Anyways, here we go. Go ahead. It doesn't matter how broke you are. If you have time to watch Twitch... You have, you have $10, truly. If you don't have $10, you probably don't have time to watch Twitch because you should be working. You should be trying to earn money. 
uh, it's not a ton. It's not like a ton of money. So being like, I'm broke, I can't afford to sub, it, that doesn't really track. What you mean to say is, I'm so irresponsible with my money, I can't support the entertainment that I enjoy. <laughs> That's what that is. It doesn't matter how... That... So if you know me, you probably know where I'm going with this. And if you don't, don't worry. I'm not going to repeat what everyone else has said on Twitter. You guys are all getting fucking baited. Everyone on my Twitter feed retweeted this and said, Oh my God, again, you streamers are so entitled. This is a terrible person. Don't listen to her. Go, go enjoy your free content. Do with your money what you will, especially because we're in a quarantine right now. Money is tight. Times are hard. She's a terrible person. That's what everyone said. You are all getting fucking baited and playing into the system. I, I think I touched on this last time, but I'm really going to drill at home this time. You don't need to go on Twitter and throw virtue signal and throw into the pile of streamers saying, I'm so great. Positivity. D don't worry if you don't have to pay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a streamer who appreciates you no matter what. Don't listen to this, girl. You guys need to not do this. This is the reason they're doing this. They are baiting you into retweeting that, showing their clip. You have, you know, a follower, a follow count, whether that be a thousand people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people. But this this clip was written about on... I literally went to Google earlier and I typed in Twitch streamer. I'm going to do it again. Twitch streamer. And it auto-completes, demands money. This was a big news article um, that was... I see it here on Insider. Um, Dex, Dextro. Uh, Dextro has released some pretty crap Call of Duty Warzone loadout guides. Uh, DailyEsports.gg. Like, people are writing about this because people are talking about it and it blew up on Twitter. If you guys don't want them to get viewers, stop talking about it. Uh, and a couple people actually this time around, I did see, did catch on to this. They realized that these streamers are doing this on purpose. They, if they do believe it, realize that this isn't going to get them more subscribers. It's going to get people talking about their shitty behavior and thus get more viewers that way. Um, or they don't believe it and they're saying it because it'll give the attention anyway. That That's what's happening right now. Is everyone is being baited. Uh, I am not mad at this woman whatsoever for saying this on stream, whether she believes it or she doesn't. Because I know that she was smart enough, she saw someone else do this a couple weeks ago, that it's going to draw eyes to your stream. Everyone's going to talk about it on their podcasts, on their Twitter feeds, on their own streams. People in the chat are saying they saw it. Everyone saw it. And uh, you guys are all being absolutely baited. If you don't like this kind of behavior, don't talk about it. Um, but I personally just think you... This is brilliant. They're gaming the system. You guys, they know that people are going to talk about it. And you're talking about it. And uh, they're going to get more subs and views that way. I tried to get some numbers to back up my claims. But it seems that both the people who had these kinds of clips within the recent weeks... Had a huge uptick. Like we're talking 100,000 followers in the months of like April or, or, um, or sorry, in February or January. And then they just lost like 100,000 followers. I think there's something weird going on with Social Blade's numbers. I don't know if like follow bots are happening or what's going on there. Um, but I can't get quite hard numbers on whether or not they are gaining or losing subscribers because of these clips. Um, but what I can tell you is that they're, they're getting publicity for this kind of stuff. And it's happening... At least these past two clips, it's IRL streamers doing this kind of thing. Um, and that's how you get attention is you say something. What, like, what else is there to do in IRL? You can go out and do a really cool like skiing stream that costs 
thousands of dollars of equipment, so many points of failure with the network and the stream itself, cameras, lugging all this equipment, making sure nothing gets lost or destroyed. You know, you can go out and do a high quality travel stream, right? Or you can say something absolutely outrageous in the comfort of your own bedroom or office and, and get a clip that way. Uh, and that's how you do it. There's a better return on value uh, of just yelling the N-word onto it. Remember the guy who beat his wife on stream? Uh, now, he was banned and then unbanned. And then I guess, I think he was banned again. And I don't know if he's unbanned after that. But that dude, that dude got eyes. He was a, a not really, I, I'm not going to say nobody streamer because look who's throwing stones. Nicky from Still Shampoo, the washed up, no one gives a shit about him anymore, evolved streamer. Um, but he gained notoriety that he wouldn't have otherwise gained. And that's just kind of how the internet works. Same thing with the last topic. You know, these kids, I had no idea who these kids were, who their tick, what their TikTok was. I don't know of any other TikToks they made, but they said something racist and terrible. And if you don't want racist and terrible people or people saying bad things to gain notoriety, don't go out and, and be like, you know, I'm a good person. I wouldn't have said the N-word on TikTok. Of course you wouldn't. That's the standard. That's the standard of how people should act. Oh, I wouldn't fucking kick a hobo in the nuts. I wouldn't go film the suicide forest. Of course you wouldn't. You don't need to say that. We know you're not a terrible person until you do a terrible thing. You don't have to go out and, and, and signal everyone else social signal how great of a person you are chill out and um just continue doing what you're doing don't give these people attention if you don't want to give them attention same thing with murderers they don't say their name i think we're i think society and the news has gotten a little bit better on that not mentioning the names and showing the faces took of some murderers time. It sure took some time for that to happen but now this started i'm not saying i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb i'll die on this hill murdering is worse than saying the n-word but we this should apply to all other smaller infractions of being a shitty person. Murder is probably at the tippity top of being a shitty person. Um, making a racist TikTok, I'm going to say is below that. Uh, no controversial take here. But this needs to apply to all forms. And especially as the internet becomes more and more of a part of our culture. I mean, it's probably at, at max, you know, part of our culture. It really can't become more of our culture than it is right now. I fucking read Twitter for an hour before bed. We need we need to we need to chill out and, and stop giving these people notoriety. Again, though, we Twitter for an hour. I'm on Twitter for about. Bed? It's actually probably about thirty I'm on minutes. Twitter, like Twitter all day, but I'm not I'm not scrolling. When, once I'm in bed, I'm I'm closing the the hell apocalypse feed, and I'm. It's probably wait until the morning to open that. It's about thirty minutes Twitter, thirty minutes Reddit. Um, but it's because I play Warzone for like four to eight hours with Bra, and I have four to eight hours of Twitter to catch up on. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not even tired. I'm not even mad at these streamers um, who are trying to pull this kind of stuff on people. All right, Killer, what's a should we talk about something gaming related, or should we just go off about something else? What What is there even to talk about anymore? What is this world that we live in? I I have been doing nothing but sitting around and playing Warzone. Uh, I picked up playing Temtem again, but oh, speaking of Call of Duty Warzone, um, they are working on some anti-hack. This this so the early access podcast was supposed to talk about early access video games. There is no greater early access video game out there right now than Call of Duty Warzone. This is a game that released for sixty dollars. Um again, the multiplayer, single player, spec ops exclusive to PS4 for a year. Then they release Warzone. Warzone's in beta, you can see it on the loading screen. Um so it does classify as an early access video game. They are finally 
getting rid of hackers with their anti-cheat update. Um, starting this week, players in Warzone and Modern Warfare who report suspected cheaters will receive confirmation in-game when a player is banned. Uh, also, hilariously enough, this I think is funny. They are putting suspected cheaters in lobbies with other cheaters, and I kind of want to hack just so I can die and spectate those hacker lobbies because that's already happened. We got into a game. For those of you who don't know, Call of Duty Warzone is plagued with hackers. We had to turn crossplay off. We can't play with any of our friends on PC anymore because there was a game where we're playing trios. Bra, Richard, and I all got headshot by a hacker, which they were using the car 98K. It's believable that they were a really good player and they just landed three clean headshots on us. It's possible, you know, it's fishy, but possible. And so we watched till the end of the game and it doesn't let you choose in Call of Duty Warzone who to spectate. So we spectated this random player Turned out they were hacking. It was blatantly obvious. They were walking slowly upstairs and staring at the wall, wall hacking through the doors. And they're just absolutely lasering people. Gets down to the final 3v3. And they lose the game getting second place to the person who initially killed us. This person who we were spectating, who was clearly hacking, got killed by the person who killed me, who I thought was hacking. So there are already so many hackers in Call of Duty Warzone because they had no anti-cheat in this freaking game. further that final firefight that happened, because it wasn't like they found each other, they're going to shoot. Both of them, so one of them was walking up the stairs to get to the roof of a building. The other one was already on the roof from like a long time ago. Both of them knew exactly where the other was by the time they walked out into the open. And they're just like, like fucking Superman and Batman level, like just fighting. They go at this. They're just beaming each other. Anyway, the yeah. original hacker won and it was absolutely atrocious. Call of Duty Warzone is so plagued with hackers. It's freaking absolutely unplayable. It is the definition of an early access video game. Uh, and I would not recommend anyone to play it. The, uh, unfortunately, after the stream, I'm going to hop on and play it so because there's nothing else. For, yeah, so I'm going to go play it because there's absolutely nothing else for me to do. If I wasn't literally quarantined, I would just go to the arcade. Um, but I've left my house in what is like 35 days now. You've been here it for is, a while. Uh, the farthest I've gone, I actually did go outside. Um, I went to the edge of my driveway because sometimes the mailman doesn't put the Amazon packages on the step of my door goes in the mailbox i gotta go down my driveway to get to the mailbox so um luckily i didn't I, as far as i know didn't catch the rona from from going out and touching the mailbox but uh i'm pretty i'm pretty safe for now all right scary times that covers all all of our gaming related topics um there's not really much to talk about because all i've been doing is, is playing warzone uh, not not a lot is happening in the world of games. Although I did finish Half Life Alex, um, I finished oh, it a couple did. weeks. Yeah, I finished it a couple weeks ago. I didn't want to talk about it because I think I finished it the week after it came out. But people were still cleaning it up and and playing through it. Uh, I it was an absolutely fantastic game. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit of now because I was holding on to it. I didn't want to talk about it because I wanted to give people time to finish it. This is going to get into spoiler territory. Half Life Alex was absolutely incredible. Now, I, it took me about nine hours to play through it, and I will never touch it again because I don't care about achievements. That's one of the problems with um, mostly like single-player narrative-driven games is I got what I wanted out of it, and that's it. Like I'm not going to touch it again. It was a great nine-hour experience, but it's not a you know 
I literally have hundreds of hours on Beat Saber. Um, so it's not a, not really a replayable experience, in my opinion. There are some design decisions I had in the game that people are, I feel like, excusing because everyone's a big Half-Life fan, which I'm not, so I'm going to shit on them for it. The whole resin system, so to upgrade your guns, you had to get resin, which is like a glowing, I don't even know what the hell it is. It's a glowing uh, cylinder thing, and then you put it in a machine and it upgrades your gun. To upgrade all your guns, you need like hundreds of pieces of resin. You got to pick them up one at a time. And just going around and exploring and like pushing over every box, and looking at every shelf. I don't think that's really good game design. It's kind of like collectibles. But there's a collectible in every room and in every nook and cranny and you need them to upgrade your gun. You don't really need them to get all of them to get fully upgraded guns by the end of the game. You really had to do a, little, a lot of searching. And I took my time. It took me nine hours to finish the game. And going around and getting every piece of resin, this isn't even like a VR exclusive thing. I think this is just bad VR story, narrative-driven game design. To put around like little collectibles everywhere. Like, oh, to have like a funny little Easter egg here or there in this little area if you go the opposite way. Like, that's kind of neat. But in every box, dumpster, downed enemy's pocket, to have a piece of resin which impacts gameplay... Very annoying. Um, I found that picking it up actually isn't bad because if you think about picking something up in real life, you gotta bend over, pick it up, reach over, whatever. There's a grabbing system in Half-Life Alex where you can basically pull an item towards you. That was a lot of fun. Extremely well designed. I think the best pickup system in any game ever. Other games do it where you can like lock onto an object and it comes to your hand. But this was very skill-based where you have to kind of like lock your hand onto it and then grab and pull it towards you. And I think that's really cool because it, it's more interactive, it's skill-based and to catch the item. And I didn't even catch the item every time. If I caught it 95% of the time and I had to do it 100 times, there's five times I missed. I thought that was really cool. This is where it's going to get spoiler heavy and this is the main thing I want to talk about. There is, everyone is talking about this on Twitter, you may have already heard about it. There's, uh, it's what everyone refers to as the Jeff level in Half-Life Alex. The Jeff level is... I think up there with all gillied up from COD 4 to be one of the coolest fucking stealth missions in gaming that I have ever played. If there's any doubt, it's, it's so good. If there's any doubt that VR is the future uh, for, for immersive gaming, then you got to play the Jeff mission. So what the Jeff mission is, is it starts off, you're on like the fourth floor of a big apartment building and all the floors are missing below you is jeff jeff is this fucking seven foot tall weird monster thing he's blind as fuck but he can hear so you have to shimmy your way across um this broken floor and at some point you knock over a bottle um that's how they introduce you to the fact that jeff can hear things the bottle crashes on the floor and jeff runs up to it and he wants to kill the bottle, but there's nothing there, so he's just chilling and walking around randomly. So that introduces you to the, the, the stealth mechanic. Um, it's like, you know, when you're playing a single-player um, like game against, like, dumbass AI. You throw a rock, they look at the rock, you go in and, you know, shiv them in the neck. That's like every stealth game ever. So now you're doing this in VR. And there's a couple things that can cause you to make noise. Obviously, knocking a bottle over will will break your stealth and you'll have to quickly relocate because Jeff will run over and eat your fucking face. Um, there's uh, this like spore-like uh, gas uh, in the area. So 
you eventually have to go down there and you are always stuck with Jeff. Jeff follows you. Something happens at all points where you make noise and Jeff is following you. There's this spore-like substance coming out of the walls. And if you go in it, your character coughs. So you have to cover your mouth as you walk through it to prevent yourself from coughing, which, by the way, is, is good practice for those of you uh, shelter in place, except you should cover your mouth with your elbow. Unfortunately, there's no elbow tracking, so you have to cover your mouth with your controller. And I thought that was really immersive. That gives you effectively one hand to work with. So you have to cover your mouth with one hand, and you have a bottle in the other hand. If you make any noise, you have to chuck that bottle on the opposite side of the room. Um, there's one instance where you lock Jeff into a room. That's how you kind of get him away so that you can turn this crank to open this garage. And so you turn the crank to open the garage and there's an elevator. You've locked Jeff in the room. He's fucking pissed off. And you think you're out of it. Get into an elevator. You realize that the elevator doesn't work. And there's a circuit breaker to fix the elevator. So to turn the elevator on, you have to go back into the room where Jeff is locked up. And at this point, Jeff is fucking pissed. So you open the door. You go in there. You turn on the circuit breaker. And you get in the elevator. Well, the elevator makes a siren sound, which pisses Jeff off. So he runs in the elevator with you. And so you're stuck in this elevator, hiding behind a box next to this seven-foot-tall fucking monster. And it's... If I wasn't a VR veteran, I would have been shitting my fucking pants. Because he's right there. And so you start the elevator, you hide in the corner, and Jeff is there being all pissed off, like, punching the elevator um, speaker which is right next to the button, the elevator gets stuck. So you have to go up to Jeff stealthily, reach up next to him, reach around him, and touch this button. Now, I didn't know how close you can get to Jeff before you pissed him off. It's not like, think about like the original Pokemon games where it's like, this is a tile, this is a tile, this is a tile. Like, this is VR. It's not, there's no binary like, this is where you're standing. You have to fucking literally reach around him to click this button to turn the elevator on and then go hide behind your boxes. And um, a, a lot of this goes on where you're like stealthing around, trying to grab objects and solve puzzles. Um, there's one point where you have to look in these cabinets to find um, some, some items to start up uh, like a door. And if you open up these cabinets... You're, by the way, in like a distillery or an alcohol factory. So there's bottles everywhere. Like you'll open up a cabinet, bottles will just come falling, just go, fuck. And you'll have to run across the room, right? Jeff will go over and like be at the cabinet. He'll be like, damn, the item I was looking for is still in those cabinets. So you have to grab a bottle, throw it across the room, go back to the cabinets, keep ruffling through them. And, and everything you do makes noise. Every little thing you do on accident, whether it's you ran through a door a little too quickly or you like stepped on something, um, and it was so well designed, introducing you to the stealth mechanics, being terrifying as fuck. You can't get rid of Jeff. I found a little exploit where I like found a way to climb up on this shelf that was really high up. And I had maximum ammo from all my guns. And I just fucking laid into Jeff. And he's under there like, like freaking the fuck out <laughs> as I shot every bullet I had into him. And then I realized, fuck. He doesn't die. Like <laughs> he's not programmed. He wasn't to, meant to die. <laughs> he he's not meant to die. So I have to use the gravity glove to grab a bottle and then chuck it across the room to to get him to go somewhere else. And then I had to continue solving my puzzle. And it was the best. I think the actual best stealth mission I have ever played because it's not a stealth mission in that 
It's 1v100. It's not me versus army. I gotta sneak past these people. I could kill a few and take them down. My guns still work. Like, that's part of what makes games terrifying is your gun doesn't fucking work. I confirmed, your guns don't fucking work. I was out of ammo. I had a shotgun. A su- <laughs> I think I had a submachine gun at that point and a pistol. I put every bullet I had to him. Your guns... It, and so it's not one versus two. It's not you versus an army. It's you versus Jeff. And that's it. You have to use... Everything at your disposal, locking him in rooms, um, creating diversions, solving all these puzzles to get around him. It was an absolutely fucking incredible mission, and I, I think that is truly like now. Now I'm like, you know what? VR narrative-driven games, like this is it. They 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 now stand up to you know as much as I shit on The Last of Us. A lot of people regard it as like one of the great um, flat PS3. I mean, you can just compare it to old Half Life if you want to avoid The Last of Us. Okay, yeah, it... it yeah, Pancake it, it's, Half-Life, it's that. you know. It, those, those are widely regarded as, so as good. beautiful narrative games, so... That level in particular was, was the level where I was like, there's so much to this. There was one instance where I was like, there's so much you can do that I feel like I put together things that you wouldn't have been able to do if you were just using a keyboard and mouse. Like, I'd, I'd flick a bottle around a corner... Like if I was if there was a corner and I want to throw a bottle to the left, I would like toss it super far to the left to piss Jeff off so he'd run that direction, you know. Um, yeah. There, there's like so much you can do with with your movement and the way you interact with the environment. That oh, for example, if I was opening up a cabinet and I knew bottles would fall over it, I would open the cabinet and then put my hand on the inside of the cabinet to stop the bottles from rolling out and then I'd open it the rest of the way then pick up those bottles and then put them down gently on on like a shelf lower so that I wouldn't make noise like j- that level of interactivity what do you do on 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 in in just a pancake game you press E to open the cabinet and the bottles fall down you don't use your other hand to stop the bottles from they'd have to program that in press E to open the cabinet press F to open the cabinet slowly It'd probably be a, like a quick time event at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that's the thing. It's hard to do those little things without having to just go to a quick time event, which is often why people get upset at those because they're like, it feels cheap. You're not really thinking about it, right? You're just button mashing. Yeah. And there were instances where, like, for example, uh, did you see the basket trick? So you only um, have in Half-Life. Oh, yeah. Two, carry things, right? Yeah. You have two hands. You have two hands and you have two pockets in your wrists. Um, so you uh-huh. can carry effectively four things. So you kind of have four bottles to complete this stealth mission. I picked up a fucking box, put a bunch of bottles in there, and then carried the box around. And so I would just, I would take bottles out of the box and just throw them away. Uh, and, 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 but here's the other thing I fucked up at one point and I like my shoulder hit a wall and I dropped the whole fucking box and all the bottles fell out and made a shit ton of noise. <laughs> It's so like, well, I gotta go back up to picking up bottles one by one, and then you just can't do that in a keyboard and mouse. There's just so much free flowing movement, and so it's incredible. That level, as far as narrative game, as far as VR games go, um, if I had to rate it on a scale of, um, you know, zero to ten, given it a solid nine point five. The reason I'm taking point five off is resin um, and collecting resin and upgrading your guns. That was a pain in the ass. That's just bad design. And the replayability, it's a single-player narrative game, is not there. Um, I'm not going to take off too many points for that because I'm sure that's true for like any single-player narrative game. Um, but I'm taking off po- 
probably 0.25 for the resin and 0.25 for the replayability. I'm giving it a solid 9.5 out of 10. Fantastic game. How was the AI for Jeff? Jeff's AI worked exactly how you thought it would. Um, Okay, because there's often, that's often like, if we're not talking about the usual restrictions of controller or keyboard-based stealth missions, usually the problem is either they're extremely dumb, like you can like walk behind them, you know, and they won't notice, or other cases where like, once they do notice, they'll find you behind a wall or something. Like if they if they hear you, it's just they have like a binary, um, doesn't know where you are and then knows exactly where you are and doesn't have like an in-between. It's often the problem with stealth missions. Jeff will run at you if you make noise. So you just have to not make noise. And if he gets up to you and is facing you when you make noise, he eats your face. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's why in the elevator, right, when you're at the elevator and he's punching the speaker and the button activate the elevator is right next to you. If uh-huh. you, if you touch him, he'll probably freak out and eat you. So that's why I had to very carefully like run my hand around him to touch the button. Yeah, I, People have done this in real life where have you ever been in an elevator and someone's going to floor 15 and you're going to floor 16 and you're like floor 16, please. And they just fucking ignore you. So you just reach around them and hit the button. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that. Same thing, except if you touch him as you reach for the button, they'll just fucking eat your face. And so, uh, damn, absolutely fantastic mission. Um, Half Life Alex. I caught up on the story, so I'm not like knocking points on not understanding what was happening. I watched multiple YouTube videos. Oh, that's another thing we were talking about before the show. Um, the most toxic gaming communities. <laughs> I think every game is toxic, uh, and I think that I only listed like. Um, the Dance Rush community, the Pokemon TCG community, and the Call of Duty community is number one by far for most toxic communities because I'm involved in them the most. The Half-Life narrative community might be also extremely toxic because uh, actually during the seven-hour war, this happened and that's why that they only lasted seven hours and you missed the point where... What's the famous line? Um, they're uh, unforeseen. Um, I'm not, I don't even want to say it because someone now someone is going to get pissed off. I, I haven't finished a Half-Life game, so... I mean, like, if you want to get pissed off at me for not knowing, I legitimately do not know. I... the When I was going through... So I was trying to catch up on Half-Life before playing Half-Life Alex, and I watched a bunch of Half-Life Alex videos. And... It, it was like Half-Life Alex explained in five minutes. Half-Life Alex explained in ten minutes. Half-Life 2 explained. Like, I, I watched multiple videos on the same topic from multiple sources. And in the comments section, there's always some guy who's like... So the Vortigaunts are actually from this place. At, yeah, I'm like, you fucking nerds. Uh, there's a lot of lore. There's a but lot the of lore to it. thing is that because there's no like cutscenes or like you kind of got to figure out the lore through conversation and through eavesdropping and through hints and clues. And, and so there's people who are like, super dedicated to finding all that out. But then it makes it kind of uh, overwhelming, obviously, for especially if you've never even played the games to really get into that and then like it expands too like portal yeah. is in the same universe as Half-Life. i found that out i didn't know that until yeah all I the references the all the references in portal are basically like references to half-life and i i didn't know like that a valve valve video game universe it's not cinematic obviously but it's like a a video oh, yeah, game yeah. universe. i, I want to clarify that the people in the comment section i'm pissed off at are not the people who like we're like hey you got that detail wrong it's the people who like yeah, so in this two-minute video, you didn't cover enough in the detail of the Half-Life universe. You missed the part where 
um, Gordon Freeman and his crowbar uh, decided to like <laughs> those be like chill out. This two minute video probably wasn't meant for you, you fucking Half Life historian. It was meant for my dumbass who's trying to play Half Life Alex and kind of understand at least who Alex is. You know, so um, fantastic game. Is there anything else you want to hit on, Gilder, before we we no decide to, to go off? And there's no news. Maybe just go off. Aside from the fact that I am on like day 30, 30, mid mid to upper 30s of quarantine. They're letting us out soon, supposedly, um, on May 3rd. And I, unfortunately, the arcade is not going to open up immediately. But I can't wait to go out and like get some food, eat some ramen, dude. And actually like. It'll be some time, but I can't wait. I want to actually do something other than sitting around and playing Warzone. Like I, I work. Um, have you found? So I, I've heard people saying this, but I can't have a perspective because I always work from home. For those of you who don't know, I work at Live, and with a global pandemic, without a global pandemic, I work from home. And I, I'm finding myself to be extremely efficient because a, I care about my job. B, I want to do a good job. And C, I have my own setup here, and it's perfect. And you know, um, I, I could just get things done immediately and then finish work. I find myself in quarantine being extremely efficient. And I hear a lot of my friends who are work from home who aren't usually working from home. They have an office or they usually work at a startup uh, at this place or that place. They're saying they're being a lot more efficient um, working from home because like 30-minute meetings, or sorry, two-hour meetings, you know, in real life where you'd sit down and like everyone would gather in a chair and, and people would pitch and make right. PowerPoint. Those are all like 30-minute calls or even better yet, their emails now. Like, are you feel? Are you? Do you feel like you're being? Oh, more they're efficient totally not emails now. They're calls now. <laughs> oh no! Like, you got more efficient. But, but the thing is, we don't. We're not really a place that has meetings. We're not really a group that like meets. The thing is, my group like, we're all kind of assigned different tasks. So here's the thing that happened. So we were all hired on one team that was developing one product. Um. Yeah. Sometime I think it was like September. Uh, they killed the product. It just died. I think if we were like a more volatile company, I would have been like let go after that. But we weren't, so we were just kind of like assigned to something else. And so now we're kind of dispersed. All of us are kind of doing like testing for like a much more new experimental product. Uh, and as a result of that, there's not much that we can do to convene. And in fact, we do that now because we want some sort of, the manager wants some sort of like check-in to see what everyone's doing in the day because they can't like manually go up to you. Uh, which he normally does. He normally just goes one on one with you, and so now we all meet together. And I mean, you notice when I'm here, I just don't, I just don't bother until my name is called, because what they're doing has such little relevance to what I'm doing, and what what like the other person is doing has such little relevance to what I'm doing. So that's not really affecting efficiency because I only really have like one one hour meeting in the day, and like rarely have anything else. So that's not really a problem. What is kind of affecting efficiency, probably, that's gone down. It was, like, higher and it's gone down. It's just more the fact that I never have, like, the chance to leave this this chair. Mm, yeah, I have the same problem. And that starts to get to me. It's, like, at least I, it's, I don't get the chance to, like, go out and go do something and refresh myself. And then I'm ready for the next day. I'm just, like, always in this chair. Everything I do is in this chair. And so it feels a little bit confining. Not claustrophobic. It's another feeling. I, I, I think feel. A lot, of people, a lot of people have that. Yeah, yeah. I was feeling the same thing. Like I was really unsatisfied with Still Shampoo headquarters because I'm here gaming and working and like, well, that's pretty much it. I'm spending My literally in this chair. 
yeah. my entire life in this chair. That's why I bought a $600 chair. And I'm feeling so much better. Uh, I, I want to I wanna start... So I want to apologize myself. Um, you know, I'm always reading other people's apologies. I want to apologize myself to the greater uh, Stell Shampoo community. Those of you who thought, because I used one for six or seven years, that getting a DX racer was a good idea. There's no reason for you to get a gaming chair. I, I've been sitting in this new, like, it's a Herman Miller Aeron. Um, it's a $1,200 chair. You can get it refurbished for $600. Um, I got mine refurbished for $600. It's pretty much no difference. And it is, so there's, Right, you might think six hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend on a chair, right? But there are right. things that these chairs have that gaming chairs don't. I've I've had a lot of gaming chair companies like either email me for some reason for sponsorships. I'm like, bro, if you actually do your research, I'm nobody, so you don't want to sponsor me. First of all, <laughs> second off, your chairs are all shit because at every trade show, whether it be PAX, E3, TwitchCon, there will be a gaming chair booth. If not DX Racer, it'll be um Super Fuel Gaming or a cool elite gamer club or RGB gamer or they'll have their own gamer chair and they're all the same. There's a lot of things in a chair that you need and you might think paying $600 is insane. And and for some of you, it might be. Maybe if you don't work from home, usually if you're willing to tough it out and you don't, you, you don't need to worry about it. But for those of you who do work from home all the time like me, there, there's a lot of things that gaming chairs don't have. First off, actual lumbar support. We're getting into chair talk now because this is the early access podcast. Gaming chairs are all flat back. And your back, if you look at it, is not actually flat. Um, there's a curve to your spine. And so this, this chair that I have is a nice little like arch to it that supports your lumbar. And having fully adjustable armrests is really nice. Like we're talking, you can move it inside and out and up and down. Um, and this chair, three years into its life, I'm sure won't start deflating. There's this little like, you know, you reach under your chair, you can like make it inflate or deflate. Um, my DX racer gave out after about three years and it would just like randomly deflate, which would be incredibly annoying, especially if I was in the middle of like a firefight in Call of Duty. It would just deflate and I'd all of a sudden be like two feet shorter. That'd be a real pain in the ass. Uh, and they're just made out of really crap material. Um, the leather on my chair started coming apart. Point is, there's this whole like philosophy, um, buy it nice or buy it twice. And I don't believe in that for everything. Um, you don't have to get like the nicest and best thing every time. Uh, but chairs is definitely one of those things where it's like, yo, know, just shell out the money and the first time absolutely get it. There's a couple things in my streaming career because, uh, uh, you know, we usually talk about Twitch and gaming on the show. There's a couple things in my like streaming career that I wish I had bought nice the first time. Um, a chair is one of them. A capture card is another one. Um, I went from like, you go way back in the day. We're talking like 2012. I had a Dazzle. I wish I had started with the Hop Hog. Um, and then I got some external like capture cards before I finally got my Avermedia internal card. Uh, there's there's some things that are just like, yeah, really get like, really get the one. VR headsets is kind of a borderline another thing. Obviously for me, buying a $1,000 Valve Index was the right choice. Buy that once. Um, and if, you, if you're getting into VR and you have the chance to try a Valve Index... And you really like it and you're not too tight in budget. Absolutely get that over getting like a shitty OG Vive for $400 and then upgrading later on because the, the, the quality, the higher refresh rate, the better controllers, the not having to deal with HTC support. There are some things that I feel like you really, the first time, should pick up and not buy twice. Uh, not, not absolutely everything. Uh, like I'm still running on the 
original. Unless I start mixing music or something, the shitty, like, $20 speakers that I got when I was, like, 12 or something, the, I still have those as part of, like, my normal desk setup because I'm not sitting here, like, mixing music or I anything I actually had like an that. old stereo, and I, but the speaker's plugged in with speaker wire. So I just took the speakers out and connected them to an audio device. That you have at your at your normal desk yeah, setup. It's, it's one of the big audio devices. Like all my yeah, all yeah. my audio things go into this big switch, and so it, it it uses speaker wire. So I don't I have the stereo somewhere else, but it's not like directly connected to the speakers anymore. The speakers are just connect are just the output to everything now. And it's pretty good. Like it's again, it's probably not like a balanced mo studio monitor, but I'm not going for that because I use headphones for that. Yeah, and which well, also has some problems. But I mean, it's it's all I can do for now. At least, at least I'm not. Maybe you more so. I'm not working with music very often. Yeah, I'm literally doing that like now. Not right right now, but like I'll do that later tonight. All right, boys. That's all I got. Do you have any idea how long mm -hmm. you've been going on, Keeler? What have we start? Uh, enough. It's been like almost an hour, probably. All right, cool. I call out for the Early Access Podcast. We're live here, 8 p.m. I'm actually probably at the end of the show, after I do this outro, I think I'm going to take one of the segments from the pre-show and I'm going to stick it after the outro. So if you're listening to this, uh, I'm going to throw that in there. So it'll end and then it'll start up again. But find us on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick the last topic in right after this. I've been your host, DJ Nikki. Find us on twitch.tv slash shampoo 8 p.m. PST. To catch the show live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Join us on Discord, discord.gg slash for early access podcast updates. Uh, oh, and the last thing I got to say, all episodes of the Early Access Podcast are up and on Spotify. I had lost a couple of them because Spotify and iTunes didn't like certain words in the title. The episode where we talked about ethnic cleansing, the game, um, <laughs> kind of didn't get past their filters. So I've, I'm, I'm going to play a little bit better with Spotify and iTunes filters. So all episodes can be found now. Go check out the backlog uh, if you need something to listen to during this quarantine. And we're going to play the, uh, the, the best topic from the pre-show. Anyway, point is, uh, no one in Animal Crossing has been called a, a maggot-eating, uh, dick-sucking, um, foot-loving, uh, I fucked your mom. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think I was used foot-loving. You know, the yet. longer I'm online, the more I'm realizing that's not an insult. That just seems to apply to, like, half the population for some reason. It does. It does. Uh... I know people with OnlyFans, uh, some, of my, some of my friends, uh, some of my female friends have gotten into doing OnlyFans. And there are a section of dudes who will subscribe to your OnlyFans, not for like the hot, like bent over ass pics or like the low cut, like wet t-shirt pics or, or like the micro bikini photos. They're there for the feet pictures. And that I... You know, each their own. It feels like the furry porn of OnlyFans. Like, artists who draw, like, who draw by commission normally mention that, like, they get their money from furries because mm -hmm. they're the ones who pay up and they pay in high numbers. And it feels like feet are the equivalent of, like, actual photographs versions of this. I, I, I just don't understand. It's kind of like... What... What is the early access podcast turned into? You know, they, they seem very yeah, exclusive. Yeah. Like, they don't really seem to branch out into other things. Like, they seem to be really dedicated to this craft. And, like, and there's a wiki for feet. 
you know, I don't see like a wiki for thighs, or if there is, it's certainly not popular enough to have ever come across my sites that I haven't searched for either of these. And they're more like, they solicit people a lot. Like, they they don't go, I I'm, both of these things happen, I take that back. People will go and be like, hey, do you sell nudes? Like, do you have an OnlyFans? Like, whatever, do you sell nudes? But then they'll also just go in and be like, do you sell feet pics? To women who don't like do lewds or anything at all. Yeah, like they're into one thing. Like they want that thing. They're not like, do you have an old? They're like, do you, I want? I want this thing right here. Uh, it's a very exclusive club. Actually, speaking about like going to people who might not even have only. And the reason I found um like the wiki for feet is by finding like I'm searching up some YouTuber I just happen to follow who doesn't even really post themselves, who doesn't even post anything remotely sexual, and I find them on that site. I'm like. So someone like was like, this is the person I need feet of. That might be weirder than if I were to find a girl I know doing porn to find her feet pictures online. That, that well, I- it is. And I actually feel bad because like if said said YouTuber had probably found their account there, I if I were in their shoes or a lack of them in that case, I would feel very <laughs> weirded <laughs> out that like <laughs> I would just feel extremely weirded out that um you know, not in like a oh my god, I'm like fear scared for my life. I'm just like, what the hell? Why why was someone this obsessed just to find them? I'm not even scared. It's not like you're afraid they're gonna murder you because they're just literally after the feet. They're they're so obsessed with that. What what is it? Because I I personally find hands more attractive than feet. Like, and I don't even like hands that much. I'll you know I'll notice when a girl has I. like you know her her nails are painted well. Or like her hands look soft. I'll, like I'll notice that, but yeah, it's not even like, like about hands too. I like I like more of the decoration of it more than the yeah. Or if she has like the uh, actual anatomy of the hand itself, the hand itself is just kind of there. Yeah, or she's wearing like a bracelet or a nice watch. I know that kind of extends the wrist, but you know, like I'll I'll notice that kind of thing, right? Whereas it's not even like a turn on. It's just like a, oh, you took like you painted your nails or whatever. Like I I noticed and respect that. Like you took some time to. Put that together, get these accessories, or buy a nice watch. I like or my own when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, I'll notice or, it. Or for like, also, you know, yeah, it's also way more noticeable because it's something that we actually use and like interact with the world with, kind of, in, as, in the physical sense. It's kind of the thing you do yeah. um, a lot where your feet are just kind of stepping on the ground. I mean, like, like the size and the shape and like the way you decorate your hands is actually kind of important. Even like a. Michael Crawford and like the original Phantom of the Opera cut his sleeves a little bit so his hands would look bigger. And it's noticeable because he uses them a ton while like doing his like routine. So like, cause we he knows that people are watching that, especially from a stage, an audience that's watching a stage. I'll notice, uh, like uh, if one of my friends is like a nice watch or something, you know, or like uh, a girl I know has like where's the watch? A nice uh, fucking no one that I know. Actually, we're all goddamn <laughs> poor. Pretty much only me. And the reason I wear a watch is because when you're playing in Pokemon tournaments. If you're not playing in a venue with a clock, then you need a watch to like figure out. Okay, I got like 30 minutes to win this game. It's I got 10 minutes to win this game. Like, like, like that's why I wear a watch. Um, <laughs> like how we have to come up with these very like elaborate reasons for why we'd wear a watch. But oh, no, I have I have friends who wear like Fitbits and stuff. But like I, I'll I'll notice that right. It's not I, a watch. I cannot tell you what any of my friends' shoes look like. I I, I can't tell you. Okay, I will say, I will notice shoes more than I'll notice feet. And usually I'll compliment because the shoe is nice, but I have, like, no real concept of the feet. Especially since most shoes cover it. 